Good afternoon. This is Kieran Sooth Patel, Managing Editor of The Rapidian, and you're listening to Catalyst Radio on 88.1 FM, WYCE, Wyoming, Grand Rapids, a service of the Grand Rapids Community Media Center. Today I'm speaking with Elizabeth Rogers Druyard, Rapidian Community Engagement Specialist. Hi, Elizabeth. Good afternoon. We are here again recording our show, and it's really hard to believe that fall is right around the corner. It's already the last day of August, Elizabeth. Yeah, this summer went very, very quickly. I think especially in Grand Rapids with so much going on in our city this summer. Now, we know Labor Day is considered the unofficial end of summer, so it's not too early to start talking about everything going on this fall, and there is a lot. But that doesn't mean that August wasn't a busy time around Grand Rapids. We're really excited to recap the past month of news on this show, the Rapidian Recap Show. So I wanted to get started talking a little bit about politics. And Grand Rapids made a new move and hired a city manager, Mark Washington. Mark Washington comes to Grand Rapids from the city of Austin, where he has been since 2009, and where he has served as assistant city manager for the past three years. He's actually worked in local government for 22 years. And Elizabeth, you worked with Lionel, one of our community reporters, to seek out a story where he could interview Mark. Tell us about that story. Yes, this is really exciting because we really haven't gotten to know Mr. Washington much yet, and there hasn't, to my knowledge, there's only been one other published interview. So it was great that Lionel Legrone, who is um, a policy liaison at Link and also a community journalist with us, that he wanted to reach out to Mr. Washington and interview him. And it was a personal interview, so talking about his family, his faith, his fitness routine, what he hopes to do in his first 90 days here in Grand Rapids. It's very exciting to have up. We just published it this past Tuesday, so you should definitely check it out. So we know Mark is coming with a lot of experience, but we now know that he is into CrossFit and he will bring with him a lot of discipline. So we also know he has a lot of issues that Grand Rapidians are talking about and concerned with right now that um, he'll have to face when he starts. So many. There was not a summer slump for the city of Grand Rapids. Um, Not only were they hiring, interviewing, and then hiring for this new city manager position, but they're continuing to address different issues. The housing issue, the police and community relations issues, the growth of Hospital Hill, the new things going on with the rapid and the transportation. There's a lot going on um, in the municipality and in the city in general. And I know people are eager to see what he brings to the table because that's why they chose him, after all, of of his background, of what he um, said he's going to be able to do. So people are probably very ready for him to start in his new role. I believe he's starting on October 1st, we reported this week. So definitely stay tuned to uh, the city to see what Mark Washington is up to and how he makes waves in his new role. That is correct. And as Grand Rapids, we're definitely serving him a full plate of things to deal with when he gets here. And yeah, I've heard from a lot of people that people are excited and anticipating to see what he brings. So that should be really interesting to keep following. Speaking of politics, we have another new appointment at the city of Grand Rapids level, and that was a third ward commissioner, Nathaniel Moody. He was appointed on July 24th to fill the seat vacated by the resignation of David Allen. And now he, by serving on the commission, is going to be involved in some of those decisions. So I'm curious to see how having him there helps uh, with decision making and with having a new city manager. They're going to have to work together on some of these big issues we talked about. 
Yes, I think it all goes together. That was certainly another appointment that happened relatively quickly, I think, because they were also needing to hire a city manager and then um, elections are coming up in November. All of these other issues are kind of hanging in the balance to see, you know, will these new um, ordinances pass that have to do with the housing now, things to do with the policing in the community. And then in the city organization itself, a lot of, I think up to half of their employees are retiring in the next few years. So there's a lot of work they have to do as an organization just to keep the city running and, and, and hopefully hiring local and finding new people. So a lot to do. We also know that Grand Rapidians aren't afraid to make their voice heard at commission meetings. So people will line up and people will use their full time to say what it is they wish to say. So he's also got to be ready to be a good listener in that role. Yes, and he actually talks about that in his article, which is nice. Uh, That was good to hear. So we're going to talk a little bit more about housing. We know that the um, city has been hosting listening sessions in order to facilitate some resident engagement about housing in Grand Rapids. Can you tell me a little bit about what you've gleaned so far as far as the conversation around these Housing Now sessions, Elizabeth? Yes, so WIMCAT, or West Michigan Center for Arts and Technology, Um, was hired by the city to do some of these sessions, and we published an article from them that you can check out on the Rapidian called Residents Make Their Voice Heard at Housing Now Listening Sessions. That's the headline of the article. And they held four listening sessions over the last couple weeks to gather resident input on some of the um, amendments that haven't been passed for specifically to the Housing Now issues. And I heard a lot of good feedback The article itself said that about 70 people came to each session. They gathered a lot of feedback, and that was really great. I also heard some frustration because several of the city neighborhood associations have held these sort of listening sessions already, and there has been a lot of public comment at, as you noted, city commission meetings in the past. So some people feel like, hey, we've been giving you this comment. Why do we have to give you more comment to be heard? And other people are happy that it's being uh, gathered in such a specific way um, to then present to the city. So although the sessions have finished, I know there's still ways for people to get involved, right? Yes. At the end of our article, there is a link, or I should say their article on the Rapidian, there is a link to the city survey. So if you weren't able to make one of those sessions or you haven't been to a city commission meeting to register your thoughts during public comment, you can follow that link and um, fill out the city survey because they're still taking input from residents on how you feel about the different Housing Now amendments. And again, you can go to commission meetings and speak your piece during that time in the public comment section. Yes. So we've talked a little bit about WIMCAT and its role with the Housing Now sessions. But Elizabeth, I know there's been lots of nonprofits that have been in the headlines in the past month, and we're happy to have their content and coverage on the Rapidian. So let's start with Compreneu. I know they have um, recycling that they do. They published a piece with us uh, this past month, didn't they? Yes, this was an amazing month for nonprofit articles. Um, people really brought it this month as far as really offering value to the community and talking about a wide variety of things. Compreneu, which does recycling, they also do refurbishing of computers. So they did an article on what you need to know about buying a refurbished computer and really walked people through that process and what they do and what it means and how you can get a really nice computer for less amount of money than buying retail by buying a refurbished computer through them. 
um, which I think is great. We have so te much technology now and it's amazing and it's wonderful, but we don't want it to all become trash and uh, make our earth worse. So it's great to see what they're doing um, in our community in this regard. And people are actually wanting to know this information. If I've got that old Mac that I haven't touched since the 2000s in my house, um, what do I do with it? Well, this is a great resource to check out and find out if they can help offload that equipment from your hands. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we had some other uh, great articles. Uh, an important one to know is the Rapid. Um, they have their new Wave card, which is a lot electronic fare card, more like what you see in other big cities now, like Chicago, where you're waving a plastic card that looks like a credit card in front of a machine. Um, it's a balance that you can prepay. And um, they introduced that this month, I think on August 14th. And so that if you haven't, if you take the bus, if you haven't signed up yet, you need to go downtown and get your new wave card. It's supposed to make everything easier. And at the same time, the city announced the new Route 19, Hospital Hill, or what some people are now calling Medical Mile, that that's going to be free as well as the Dash Route. So there's a lot of interesting and hopefully good things going on with the city's transportation system. As you noted, a lot of other big cities already have this electronic card. Mm -hmm. And if Grand Rapids really wants to be a pedestrian-friendly city and encourage that foot traffic downtown, then they also need to be thinking about how public transit fits into that equation. So making it easier to get on board the bus and to pay and making it free in the case of the, the new Route 19, I think will help alleviate some car traffic and make downtown feel like a big city, feel like a Chicago or a New York City in terms of people out and about. I think that's certainly all of our hopes because everyone's starting to feel the pain of big city traffic in downtown Grand Rapids between everyone coming back to school, but summer construction still being in place. So I hope I hope that works out. And in my experience, if I see other people hopping on the bus or other people walking around downtown, I feel more like that's the way of being. And I'll feel more inclined to want to get around that way too, rather than just hopping straight out of my house and hopping straight in the car to get around. Yes, exactly. So the Grand Rapids Art Museum introduced a new um, way to access some of their features. Can you tell us a little bit about that? They are participating in um, a program for low-income individuals. So if you have a bridge card, what people used to call food stamps um, or a SNAP benefits, it enables you to get into the museum free. So it's a benefit that is supposed to make museums more accessible. Um, museums, you know, historically have been thought of only being for some people, only being for the wealthy. It's hard to have access to them sometimes. So hopefully with this program, more people will get to enjoy a wide array of art in our community because of this um, program that they're partnering with nationally to do it. The grant actually does a good job of hosting free events at other times. So this is another way for people to get in the door there. Yes, definitely. Um, we also have uh, a story that you did with another nonprofit this month, the Grand Rapids Creative Youth Center, who is a favorite of ours because they're teaching young writers the way we like to work with adult writers. And you got to talk to a couple of their young writers who went to an amazing international conference that frankly, when I got on the website, I was like, I want to go to this conference. Tell us about it. Me too. It was really a great opportunity for them. I got to meet two young women, Maeve Wilborn and Aaliyah Hall. And these are um, 
teens that are writing and are creative and clever and had this opportunity presented to them to attend the International Congress of Youth Voices in San Francisco as student delegates. So I got to talk to them a little bit about um, their experience. And as you said, totally jealous. They got to go to San Francisco for a long weekend and meet writers, um, meet other youth, which from what they told me was kind of half the fun of it. I'm um, talking to other young people, finding out that other young people from around the world have a lot more in common with Grand Rapids youth than mm-hmm. I think these young people thought. So the other big thing is, of course, they got to improve their craft. So by talking to some of these other writers and talking to other authors, I think both of them came back and said, here's how we're going to improve my research and improve um, how I approach writing. So yes, this was a really neat interview. And I enjoyed talking to these young people. And I hope that they keep writing and keep growing. That sounds really incredible. For those of you listening, if you go on to the rapidian.org, on the top left, we have a tab called Nonprofits, and you can find these and other stories, like ones from the Michigan Wildlife Federation that talk about dealing with invasive species in Grand Rapids, and all kinds, like I said, it's a wide, diverse array of news from our nonprofits in the area, so it's really great to check out, and you can find it all under the Nonprofits tab there. And we should take this opportunity to say we do have a workshop coming up, and whether you're an individual or a nonprofit writer, this is something that you can take advantage of. Yes, it is coming up. Remind me of the date. You got it. It's Thursday, September 27th. Yes, and it'll be at the Grand Rapids Library's main branch downtown during the lunch hour at 12 o'clock to 1.30. You can find out more about it on Facebook for the Community Journalism Workshop, or you can look it up on the rapidian.org. And we'll talk more about that in a little bit. You're listening to Catalyst Radio on 88.1 FM, WYCE, a service of the Community Media Center. Elizabeth, we also feature the work of individual community writers, and a lot of times you help facilitate those introductions and help people get their creative juices flowing as far as writing these individual stories. Can you tell me a little bit about the piece Lataro wrote for us this month and the conversation that that piece has sparked? Yes, Lataro Trailer is uh, works in the community. She's also a mom, and she had just a lot on her heart on the first day of school and wrote out a piece that morning that she wanted to get published about the gentrification that's happening in our neighborhood public schools in Grand Rapids and ideas that she has about how that might be changed, about how it doesn't have to be the case. Her child goes to a neighborhood public school. And to clarify for those of you listening, when I say neighborhood public schools, obviously it doesn't mean the private schools, but it also means schools, just the elementary schools that are in your neighborhood versus the public schools that are school of choice that you have to get into with the lottery system. So just the neighborhood school that anybody can go into and the issues that they are having sometimes. And she just really wanted to write it. And I love it when people do that. I love it when they have passion. I love it when they channel it and into writing and share it with the broader community. And she said she's had really good um, feedback since publishing it. So this was a great example of someone who felt something, wanted to say something about it, and knew exactly where she needed to go to tell the story. 
Yes, I have bugged her a couple times. I bug a lot of people, so it's not just particular to her, but saying, hey, you should write about these things that you care about sometime. And um, when the time was right for her, she did, which is what I really appreciate. And I also love checking back in with people and say, hey, now, how do you feel since you wrote the article? Uh, she was still happy that she wrote the article. She said that she's had good feedback. She said that she's had conversations with people about how things might be approached differently. Uh, in the article, she talked about how people tend to use their social capital with people they know and then go straight to principals, administrators, and not necessarily spend enough time getting to know other parents and residents in the neighborhood and really building community and changing things together as a community. And she said when you change things together as a community, then it tends to be more for everyone, right? Versus if you're changing things top down, it might benefit your student, but a lot of times that doesn't mean it benefits every student. So she's had a lot of people that have wanted to come back to her about that conversation, delve into it deeper, maybe setting up some meetings about it. So that was exciting. And to our listeners, if you find yourself listening to this and you're saying, I have something to say about this topic, by all means, take advantage of, of the opportunity that the Rapidian presents. Um, sign up for a free account and you can tell her what you think, tell all of us what you think, and write a story about what's on your mind. Absolutely. And yes, anybody can write a story on the Rapidian. That's the whole point that we exist is that citizens, residents can write their own news. And we had another uh, community journalist piece this month written by a man named Matt, and he was talking about taking WYCE training. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? So Matt had been dabbling in this question of whether or not he should write. And I said, by all means, tell us about this story. This is something that people can relate to. This is something that people are going to find interesting. And so he did it. He took the leap. Um, he took the plunge. And he wrote this story about his journey as a programmer. It was a really great story. He basically said, if my young daughter is brave enough um, in her respective realm, then I can be brave enough to go on this journey and put myself out there as a programmer. So we had a good time um, working with Matt. And as he learns and grows on his journey, I hope he keeps taking advantage of the opportunity to write. I think it's a good way to reflect on um, the experience as well. Yes, and something that I noticed, these are very different stories, they're different journeys, but they have a common thread of parents who are doing something or they're pushing themselves out more into the community, even more than they already did before, because um, Lataro is already well involved in the community. But because of their child, they are having their own voice be heard. They're taking the time to write their own article on the Rapidian. And I think that's really interesting. That's true. So to remind you one more time, if you have things that you want to talk about, opinion pieces like the two that we just mentioned with the gentrifying of neighborhood schools or learning how to be a WIC programmer, or maybe you have an event that you want to promote that you're a part of, you can go on to the rapidian.org at any time in the top right corner and click to sign up to become a community journalist reporter. It is free. It is for everyone that's a resident. The only qualification that we have is that when you write, you write about something that has to do with the greater Grand Rapids area because we are local news. But we invite all of you to write. We love to help elevate your voices. And we have other great new voices here at the Community Media Center that we want to talk to you about. We are a part of the Rapidian itself is a part of a larger organization called the Grand Rapids Community Media Center, which also encompasses GRTV, 
an education department, Wealthy Theater, and WICE, the radio station, 88.1 FM, and WICE has a new station manor, manager. Would you like to tell us about him, Kieran? Because you got to meet him and do an article, right? I, I loved getting to meet Hayes. It's very exciting to welcome him to the CMC family. He just started his role a couple weeks ago, and he brings with him incredible experience as a musician. He plays in a band. He has been a rock and roll adjunct professor over at GVSU, and he's just enthusiastic and excited about what's ahead for the radio station. So I got a chance to sit down with him and talk a little bit about who he is and um, some of his visions and dreams for the future of the station. Something that he shared with me is how important education is to him as far as music is concerned. So what that means is making sure people are aware of opportunities to learn and grow within the music world. So expect a lot of educational opportunities to come from the department in the near future. Also, if you would like to meet Hayes, the um, street fair is coming up, and that is the weekend of September 8th. So the record sale that takes place every year by YCE is going to be taking place that same day in Easttown. It's a great opportunity to come out and say hello to Hayes and get to know him a little bit and ask him about his favorite music, ask him about YCE. Overall, very excited to have him on board um, as part of the CMC family. That sounds really great. I know that this is a popular annual sale with people. If you want to re be reminded of that, find out more. An article went up on Tuesday talking about the annual CD and record sale at the Easttown Street Fair. That's where um, listeners of the radio station have donated everything from 8-track tapes to CDs to old records. Everything is sold for a dollar. Everything goes to support WICE. And this year you'll get to meet the new station manager. So that sounds really cool. Definitely mark your calendars for September 8th. And while you have your calendars out, you're about to flip it to September. It is not too early to start talking about Art Prize, which is right around the corner. Art Prize will start on September 19th in Grand Rapids and go through October 7th. And we are so excited to have our special section on the Rapidian once again, which is really a place that you should bookmark and visit for content about Art Prize in Grand Rapids. So whether you're looking for critique or whether you're looking for artist reviews or you want to know what the top pieces are, this place is um, a place on our site to go and have those conversations. And that is the rapidian.org backslash Art Prize. So we've already got a little bit of content up there for our, um, our listeners and our readers, and we've talked a little bit about the changes in store with Art Prize this year. But can you tell me, Elizabeth, we've had some other good stories. What else is going on in the Art Prize world right now? A reoccurring theme that we've seen on the Rapidian a lot already is this great collaboration between Disart and Meyer Gardens and the show that they're doing together, the exhibition that they're doing together. So DisArt is a disability arts group that brings disability artists to Grand Rapids for different uh, shows and exhibitions. They've had a fashion show in the past. This year they're doing a big exhibition at Meyer Gardens during Art Prize that then also goes through January, I believe. 
The co-directors of Art Prize talked with Mayor Bliss on this month's City Connection show, which is a short show that we do every month with GRTV, and it's also archived on the Rapidian, so you can Google City Connection and you can find that show there. Meyer Gardens has also put up a piece about their collaboration with DisArt. And then just this past Tuesday, we published a piece from a lady named Lizzie Kazmierski-Dunn, who participated in making that exhibition. And what she helped do is because this art needs to be accessible to many different abilities, it's a, it's a sculpture exhibition, but for people who can't see as well, they made oral art to go along with it to help describe or to help immerse one in the experience of the sculpture exhibition, which I think is amazing. I thought it was so interesting to hear Chris Smith, one of the co-directors of DisArt, talk about it on City Connection. I thought it was really interesting to hear Lizzie describe the process. She talked about how if a sculpture is bumpy, that you can hear that in the, the music and the sounds, that it's a bumpy sound. She talked about how because a lot of the art is abstract, that the, when they went to make these um, musical landscapes, so to speak, for the art, that they tried to pick sounds that weren't immediately identifiable. So like not a train horn or not a trombone, like not something that you could pinpoint where the same sound came from, but they tried to pick sounds that were also abstract when they were helping describe this music and create these musical landscapes. I just, I just think it sounds incredible. I think it's exciting. I think it's going to be really interesting to see all the different things that are going on with that exhibition um, and see what comes out of it and how people approach it. We know a lot of people are going to be out and about downtown, this art prize in particular. It's art prize 10, first of all, so that's a big milestone. But as we noted earlier, big changes are in store. It's going to become a biennial event. So that means art prize in its traditional format won't be back until 2020. So for people who love it, for people who are curious about it, this is going to be your opportunity to get your fill, go to all the big entities for free admission and be a part of those conversations and that dialogue. And again, if you see something and you have a story that um, comes to your mind, we are the place that you want to go to tell that story. And again, visit the rapidian.org backslash art prize. Um, that page will launch on the 1st, September 1st, and you'll be able to engage with those stories. And we do have a lot of dialogue that happens with those stories, Elizabeth, when we publish them. Yes, we do. And I'm excited because I think one of the things that we at the Rapidian offer is because we welcome every voice, we get such a wide variety of content. So we have parents that want to write articles about great places to go with their kids during Art Prize. And we have art lovers that want to write about what they liked. And we have artists that are actually in the competition itself that want to write about this is why it's so important to me to be in this competition. Um, usually there ends up coming in a couple critique pieces or a couple of these are my top 10 favorite kind of pieces. So it's just interesting and exciting to see what the variety is going to be. And uh, that's not something that I think you get everywhere. So be sure to check out the rapidian.org backslash art prize to see that content coming. Keep your eyes open across town as we start to see the art that's going to get most buzzed about. It'll be interesting to see what people are really talking about this year.
One other thing that I'd like to add is we welcome photos. So on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, if you want to put up a photo while you're out and about during Art Prize and hashtag it the Rapidian, we will find it and we will showcase some of them during Art Prize to show what you guys are doing out in the community. So let's talk a little bit more about the workshop that we mentioned briefly earlier. Our first community journalism workshop of the season will take place on Thursday, September 27th at the Grand Rapids Public Library main branch. You can now register. That sign up is now available on our Facebook and on our website. So just to tell you a little bit about what to expect at this session, we will tell you everything you need to know about what constitutes community journalism. So what makes for a good story? The who, what, when, where, and why? How do you go out and conduct an interview? Uh, why do you need to uh, get multiple sources for a story? We're going to help prepare you so when you are ready to go out and cover that story, you feel confident and you feel like you're able to go and do that. In the past, we've actually had people that bring story ideas when they come to the sessions. Yes, that's really exciting when people already have something that they want to start with and they just need a little bit of maybe hand-holding to, to either put the formatting issues or to know like how to frame the story and where to go from it. They are always a great day for us. It's really fun to interact with the community about what we do and to emphasize both the community side of it and the journalism side of it especially nowadays when there's so much conversation about what constitutes good journalism and how necessary local journalism is, it's really fun to encourage people in that direction. So take advantage of that opportunity to attend the session. You can always find us on Facebook and Twitter for more information, but plan to join us on September 27th for, um, for our first workshop of the season. Yes. So before we close, we want to remind you, as always, if you've felt inspired while you're listening or if a story has um, come across your desk or um, across you as you're out in the community, we welcome that content on The Rapidian. So to get started, visit therapidian.org and sign up to become an individual community reporter. You can learn more about being an individual reporter or you can be a nonprofit reporter, as we talked about earlier. And basically any advice, Elizabeth, as people are out there looking for story ideas, how do you know what makes a good story? Usually what makes a good story is what makes a good story to you. If you find it compelling and can can convey why it's compelling to you, there will be other people that will grab onto that and harness that. Um, if you're doing it just because you think other people will think it's interesting, it's not going to be nearly as interesting. So your specific passion, something that you're into right now, something that you care about or something that you want to promote, that's what's going to make a good story. And people people that care about community engagement, people care that care about uh, local information and that their community knows what's going on also make for great writers. That's exactly what I would tell people. Whenever anyone asks me, what do I write about? I say, what matters to you? Tell me that story. You will find someone else, by the way, that resonates with that same story. So don't think that it's just you in a vacuum that cares about this, because once you put it out there, you'll be amazed at the response you get and the conversation that can come from that storytelling. Yes. So again, join us on September 27th for our first workshop of the season. As always, you can read all of the content and stories we talked about today at therapidian.org. You've been listening to Catalyst Radio, your local public affairs program where we focus on community affairs and media literacy in West Michigan. 
Catalyst is broadcast on Fridays at noon on 88.1 FM. Opinions expressed on Catalyst Radio are those of the interviewees and not those of Community Media Center, which operates to remain neutral and provide free speech platforms. More information can be found on wyce.org, and shows can also be found on therapidian.org. Check us out on social media, Facebook at WYCE Catalyst Radio, and on Twitter at Catalyst Radio GR. Catalyst is produced by Grand Rapids Community Media Center with audio editing by WYCE's Cassie Benton and theme music by AJ Pashka. I'm Kieran Sooth Patel. Thank you for listening to another episode of Catalyst.